You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Good morning and welcome to today's event on youth, peace, and security in Southeast Asia. My name is Brian Harding and I lead the Southeast Asia program here at the U.S. Institute of Peace in Washington, D.C. USIP is a nonpartisan national institution that was established by Congress in 1984 and dedicated to the prevention, mitigation, and resolution of violent conflict abroad. The Institute draws on its exceptional convening power to bring together diverse audiences to, to exchange knowledge and ideas necessary for de developing solutions to the most pressing peace and security challenges around the world. Which brings us to why we're here today. Two weeks ago, USIP had the honor of supporting the governments of Brunei, Darussalam, and the United States in the first ever workshop on youth, peace, and security agenda for the ASEAN Regional Forum, an ASEAN-led mechanism for dialogue on peace and security issues in the Indo-Pacific region. During this workshop two weeks ago, ARF participants began to explore opportunities to translate their affirmation of YPS norms and values into concrete action at the institutional level. Among the options discussed was the development of national action plans for YPS in the region. Today, we've convened a panel of speakers from three countries, the, the three countries worldwide, that have undertaken the process of drafting and enacting a YPS national action plan. And we'll discuss their experiences to identify lessons, elicit advice, and promote learning about strategies for developing YPS national action plans that might be of use in Southeast Asia. To get us going, I'd like to introduce Bill Flens, who is the Director of the Multilateral Affairs Office in the Department of State's Bureau of East Asian and Pacific Affairs, which is a very busy place these days, as you can imagine, to provide some welcoming remarks. USIP has been privileged to work closely with Bill's office for several years to support robust U.S. engagement on preventive diplomacy within the ASEAN Regional Forum. And we're thrilled to have an opportunity today to shine some public light on a lot of this private uh, track one work that we've been engaged with together. So Bill, over to you. Thank you, Brian, for that uh, very kind welcome. And uh, good morning to all of our friends in Southeast Asia and wherever uh, you may be uh, elsewhere in the world, but I'm happy that you're uh, tuning in to, to join us in this workshop. Uh, I'm, a, uh, as Brian noted, uh, I'm the director of the Office of Multilateral Affairs uh, in the Bureau of East Asian and Pacific Affairs at the Department of State. Uh, and it's a very exciting time to be working uh, on all things uh, Southeast Asia, particularly with the youth uh, of, of the region. Uh, never uh, have I seen such a, a concentration of energy and great ideas as I, as I see throughout the whole of Southeast Asia. And so I'm very happy that I get a chance to work on these issues every day. Today's uh, workshop is another uh, occasion for us to come together and, and with all the talent and energy of our youth throughout the region to think about how we can advance the youth peace and security agenda. <laughs> Uh, uh, we're very pleased to be working with USIP uh, on, this, on this initiative. Uh, we have a, a long history of working on these issues and very happy that, uh, again, that this workshop is happening uh, when it is. Six years ago, nearly six years ago, uh, December 9th, uh, 2015, 
we saw the UN Security Council adopt Resolution uh, 2250 on youth peace and security to uh, formalize an international framework to address the role of youth in building and sustaining peace and preventing conflict. We are, since that time, however, there's been slow progress in developing uh, national action plans for the youth peace and security agenda. So we hope that tonight's workshop will help advance that conversation. And I look forward to hearing uh, much of how, of, of, the, of the deliberations that follow. Uh, but as you know, the youth peace and security agenda, uh, it seeks to promote the inclusion of people who have historically been excluded in vital security and peace building measures. And many of them are young, young people. Uh, the importance of engaging youth on these issues takes on extra urgency when one considers the fact that the world's youth population uh, is at an all-time high, with more than 1.8 billion people between the ages of 15 and 29. And I, I would add that some 60% of the world's youth live in the Indo-Pacific region. So again, uh, pointing to the importance of, of, the, of the youth of the, of the region to become more active in the youth peace and security uh, agenda. We have seen that despite this underrepresentation, uh, the youth have demonstrated that their participation in the design and the implementation of community, de community development strategies is critical for effectively reducing violence and extremism and increasing peace. I'm very happy that my government, the U.S. government, has been very, uh, has long recognized the importance of engaging youth in all things that promote uh, peace and security. And one concrete example of that is the creation of the Young Southeast Asia Leaders Initiative, otherwise known as YSEALI, uh, which this year is celebrating its eighth year. And it's one of our our flagship efforts to promote the and to engage the youth of Southeast Asia. Uh, we're very pleased that we have over 6,000 members, uh, I should say 6,000 alumni with a network of over 150,000 uh, members. So it's really taken on a, a very uh, deep, uh, deep felt presence in the region. And we're very proud that it's continues to be a proponent of uh, advancing the YPS agenda. I would also point to the importance of the ASEAN Regional Forum as another important vehicle for including youth in peacebuilding efforts in the Indo-Pacific. Uh, this past August, the ASEAN Regional Forum adopted the statement on promoting the youth peace and security agenda as a demonstration of the region's commitment to ensuring that our shared future and the future of our youth remains peaceful. And the United States is very proud to have been a co-sponsor of that statement, along with the governments of Brunei, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, and South Korea. Uh, as Brian noted a, a few minutes ago, the U.S., the, the United States, and Brunei jointly co-hosted an ARF workshop on the youth peace and security agenda uh, earlier this month, which gathered together policymakers, representatives from across the region and also within the United Nations to have a dialogue on how the ARF can continue to be inclusive of the efforts of youth throughout the region. And 
I know that the recommendations discussed there, which include, for example, the development of an ARF expert youth dialogue, uh, encouraging further youth participation as speakers and moderators in ARF activities, and encouraging the development of youth peace and security national action plans. All these recommendations, I think, focus on the or demonstrate the importance of having young people to be part of this important conversation. It's clear that without you uh, are the youth of this, the youth will determine how uh, how this all evolves. And we need your participation and active involvement to really shape this agenda. Uh, it's so important, especially at a moment where we're facing uh, unprecedented changes, uh, the challenges of COVID, climate change, demonstrate that we need the energy, the ideas that youth can bring to this, to this effort. And I know that to get tonight's workshop is an important uh, way to continue that, to continue to advance that conversation. So uh, with that, I would just like to wish you all a very productive uh, workshop. I look forward to hearing how the conversations develop. And I know this won't be the last time we'll have uh, such workshops. So I, I wish you well. And uh, I, I'm very, again, grateful to have had the opportunity, opportunity to join you this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill, for your words. And I'm Paula Porras. I'm a program officer of USIP's youth program. And at USIP, as you mentioned, we're aligned with the UN Security Council Resolution 2250 uh, on youth peace and security. And we support these pillars, pillars through programs such as the Generation Change Fellows Program, uh, which is a program that works with young leaders across the globe who live in conflict-affected communities and have built a leadership role. Um, we have around 300 fellows around the world um, in 26 countries, in Latin America, in Africa, in Middle East, and of course, in Asia. And Midrell here, actually our moderator here, he's a fellow of our program, and he is an extraordinary person who has contributed a lot to the YPS field, and he reflects exactly what the program uh, embodies. So thank you, Midrell, for everything that you have contributed to the field. Even though we have now three YPS resolutions, we cannot stop there. Uh, we know that there's a long way to go, and we continuously need to act to have more, a uh, more equitable world uh, where young people are more at the center of the decision-making spaces. And this means that we continuously need to rethink our systems and structures of power. And this is, and, and our journey begins by ourselves, like rethinking about how we ourselves think about power and how we are perpetrating these structures of power. And also we need to continue to work hard for more and more countries to implement a national action plan for YPS. And today we have a lot of experience. Um, we have someone as well that has a lot of experience working on this. So I'm honored to introduce our next speaker that is Saji Prilis, who has more than 20 years of experience working with youth movements and spaces. He's the co-chair of the Global Coalition on Youth Peace and Security, and he is the Children's Youth Program Director at Search and Common Ground. So welcome, Saji, to this space, and thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much, Paula, and good morning to everyone who is joining us from Southeast Asia, and good evening to folks who are joining us in the East Coast and the United States itself. Uh, thank you for the introduction. I'm going to walk you through a few 
slides to kind of set the tone for this conversation because it's a, I feel very privileged to be invited again and to share this opportunity with you. And so uh, Paula described about the Global Coalition itself. So I'm gonna share a little bit about what the Global Coalition is. The Global Coalition is one of the largest coalitions who come together that includes UN actors, intergovernmental bodies, international NGOs, academics, youth-led organizations at the national level and regional level coming together as a coalition to shape what we call the Youth Peace and Security Agenda today. We've heard the title, we've heard it called Youth Peace and Security Agenda. The, the agenda is grounded in this principle of collaborative actions for collective level impact. I think this is an important space because young people are co-shaping this agenda and it's led by the United Nations Peace Building Support Office, the United Network of Young Peace Builders, which is a youth-led organization that has been championing this from the very beginning and search for common ground. And USIP has been with us right throughout the whole process. Uh, Bill mentioned the Security Council resolution. This picture was taken exactly six years ago to the day on December 9th, 2015 when the first Security Council Resolution 2250 was adopted. This is the picture of that vote. What, what oftentimes doesn't get mentioned is the role young people actually played in shaping and influencing that. Over 11,000 young people from about 109 countries influenced, advocated for it saying, we are in the front lines of preventing violence. See us as your partners. Don't see us as your burden, but see us as your partners. It sent a powerful message to the Security Council members who unanimously adopted this resolution. But they didn't stop there. As mentioned, there were three other resolutions. What they collectively do is really make a powerful case that young people are political actors for peace. In a troubled time that we are living in, the, the times are going to be ch more challenging in the years, years to come. It's really important to see the political agency that young people bring and the peaceful resolutions of conflicts they desire so much and is wanting to be part of. So this political agency is so essential for this agenda to thrive. What's coming next? As we start to look down the road, Bill mentioned this, you know, there's a lot has happened in the last several years, but a lot needs to happen. So this is a political agenda in a sense. And next month, the governments of Finland, Qatar, and Colombia are hosting the second high-level conference on youth and peace processes. It's supported by the United Nations, African Union, regional mechanisms in the continent of Africa, European Union, and of course, civil society and youth. Because this agenda cannot, we should, would not have happened if civil society and youth didn't bring it to life. And this conference is gonna have two key outputs. One is a five-year strategy to strengthen youth-inclusive peace processes. Youth inclusive peace processes means that peace agreements, mediation efforts, ceasefire agreements, implementation of security sector reform processes, de demobilization efforts in countries cannot happen without young people's influence and young people's inclusion in those decisions and implementation and monitoring efforts. So this effort of a five-year strategy is to build this field around how to strengthen youth inclusiveness within this very high level political efforts itself. Because we cannot do the business as usual now, 
because the world has definitely changed. So we cannot, we have to rethink our instruments of diplomacy, instruments of mediation, and think, the, you know, think of inclusion and inclusive approaches in a much more sophisticated way than a few members in a room talking about it. Here we are talking virtually, so the room has even changed. The second output that we are developing that will be launched in next month is, a, uh, is guidance for public officials, for governments, around how to strengthen, design and implement inclusive national strategies on youth peace and security. Notice I'm not saying national action plans, but it's national strategies and actions on youth peace and security itself. So what does that look like? I'm giving you a sneak peek as to what these guidelines will look like. There are about six chapters full of information, tools, resources, guidance, step-by-step -step ideas about how to design these national strategies and actions based on examples from around the world. And some, some of them you're gonna to hear today from Nigeria to the Philippines to, the, to Finland and India. But there's a lot of examples from around the world how this has been done, how it has been tested, what lessons have we learned. So this is going to be launched uh, next month itself. But I want to spend a lot, the few minutes I have with you here to talk through a little bit about what are the options here. There are multiple ways to think about national implementation efforts. One is the common way of talking about roadmaps and action plans. Second, are uh, integrating youth peace and security across policies and programs and projects, kind of mainstreaming youth peace and security across existing instruments and all that. The important message today is the role young people play. Because whatever mode you choose, young people need to feel seen, young people need to be seen, heard, feel engaged, and involved in crafting and shaping and managing and implementing this process alongside adult counterparts and other institutions. I think this is the roots of the YPS agenda. Now that the implementation state, that can, root cannot be cut off. I think this is a key message thinking through this. Here are some strengths of the different approaches, whether you're talking about roadmaps and national plans or policies mainstreaming YPS. You know, when it comes to strengths, of course, policy coherence through cross-cutting approach and, the, and from bringing different ministries together is a really good strength for the, for the National Action Plan. At the same time, integrating YPS in existing policies makes it also very appealing. Can help reinforce the sustainable efforts that are already happening at the national level. But also the strength of the National Action Plans is it, it engages multiple stakeholders, lots of voices coming into the process. When it comes to policies, it is looking at existing policies, streaking and strengthening and updating them and making sure there is relevance and coherence and, and, and future-proof always the existing policies when it comes to this. So those are strengths in either path we choose. But there are challenges. There are they require national action plans, require resources, serious resources, not just to develop the plans, but to implement them. And this is why at the global level, we have been reluctant to call it national action plans because there's a template to use, but the template often has been challenging because often the money and the oxygen runs out after those national action plans are developed and no oxygen to run and implement and manage and measure the progress made as well. So it's important to keep some things in mind. 
The other challenge with the policies, it requires a lot of coordination and coherence with the existing mechanisms and needing political buy-in for this, for both approaches. At the same time, these require coordination mechanisms. You're gonna hear from Philippines some really good examples of coordination. You need require institutional level coordination, national government level coordination, and societal level coordination. If we are to make people feel seen, heard, engaged, and involved, this is essential for society to feel part of it, for people to feel they are part of something bigger. I think what you're undertaking about thinking at the ASEAN level on what a national strategy could look like at a country level, and then building that up to regional level requires a lot of thinking and coordination. And this is an amazing time to do that, because as Bill mentioned earlier, this is how young people really think and are excited and the passion and the commitment to this agenda is tremendous. The agenda is not new to the region either. I think that's the advantage of building on the existing power and influence that is across the region with young people. And Mirudul will talk a lot about it because he's an amazing, he's been leading these efforts in the region. So with that, I just want to say thank you for including me in this. I'm really much looking forward to being part of this effort and wish you the best in continuing this dialogue and commitment to young people when it comes to peace and security in the ASEAN region. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Saji. Your remarks are going to be very useful in framing the next part of the discussion. And certainly such collaborative implementing processes or these spaces are a powerful example of acting on the guiding principles of the YPS agenda. Young people certainly definitely appreciate these spaces. And that's why moving forward, now we would like to learn, um, uh, take this opportunity to learn from the work being done to develop such national action plans, such roadmaps on youth peace and security. For that, we have four amazing leaders from Finland, Nigeria, and the Philippines. Uh, we will try to take uh, these three countries as the case studies in order to identify potential lessons learned for young leaders and also other stakeholders who are interested in Southeast Asia to advance um, uh, national level implementation uh, by uh, developing national roadmaps or national action plans in their own countries. So uh, we will hear first from the panelists and uh, then we will go into a moderated discussion which will include questions uh, from the audience. But for listening your questions, I request the audience of this panel to check the chat box on the USIP event webpage where the individuals can submit questions during the event. Um, with this, I would like to invite the first speaker. So first of all, we have Ms. Yeni Kilpi, who is the junior advisor at the Permanent Mission of Finland to the UN, where the primary focus of her work has been on youth peace and security agenda. She is a master's student of international relations at the University of Turku in Finland. Uh, her research uh, focuses on uh, WHO and the global governance for health. So floor is yours, uh, Ms. Yen Kilpi. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, everyone from Finland. Um, I'm very happy and honored to be speaking in this important event. Um, let me start by uh, saying that inclusive dialogue is key in developing peace and security. And it is important to cross over the lines of ideologies, religions, and traditions, and to learn the skills of talking and listening. And 
as the world is changing and more innovative and passionate ideas, as we know, come from the youth, um, uh, it is very important that we have the ability to listen to them. The, the voices will come through, through from NGOs and social media, and there is no future without the youth. So it's important that peace processes in particular are closely including the youth and that we are learning together. Um, conflict prevention and peace building have long been priorities in Finnish foreign policy, and we emphasize the importance of ownership, inclusion and agency of both women and the youth. So hence Finland is very proud to have preferred its first uh, national action plan on the implementation of the UN Security Council resolution on YPS. And this national action plan was done in close collaboration with the active youth and representatives of youth organizations, several government entities, uh, ministries, research institutes and civil society. But at the heart of preparing a national action plan was listening to the views of Finnish young people about what they think about peace and security, what does peace mean to them. And over 300 young people around Finland were heard in these consultations and which then became the basis for this national action plan. Uh, the working group for the 2250 was established among these youth organizations, about 20, 10 to 15 organizations who shared an interest in this topic. And there were no limitations as, as to who could join this working group. The 2250 became a very important theme for many of them throughout that year. And it was very, yeah, it, the people, the young people really took it to their hearts. And the key in all of this, making the national action plan was inclusivity and ensuring that the young people have ownership of this plan. Um, so about the National Action, action Plan in itself, uh, the cross-cutting theme is intersectionality. This was very important for the youth consultations as well. So taking into consideration the interconnected nature of factors that influence uh, the identity of an individual. But on top of that, our NAP has five priority areas, uh, which first of which is participation, which of course is very obvious and clear. Uh, the youth need to be participating in all kinds of peace and security agendas and in all levels. And the second one is prevention. So prevention of conflicts, of violence, um, of discrimination, bullying, but also taking positively into account that the youth have a lot to say in, for example, in uh, battling climate change. The third one is partnerships. So diverse partnerships are needed um, for the NAP agenda to go forward, to be actually implemented in Finland. First of all, protection. So protecting the vulnerable youth and giving the young people generally a safe space to um, influence their own lives. And the last one is disarmament, which is more to do with the post-conflict measures to store lasting peace, um, because the peace processes are, don't just stop after after this, but like need a longer period of time and access to education and work are pivotal in this one. So the whole process for the NAP was conducted in good cooperation and the end result can be seen as a good starting point for this YPA's agenda to be taken forward. But this is not the end goal. The end goal is somewhere in the future. And I look very much forward to listening to all of you guys and um, what has been the themes in your NAPs and how was the process done. So thank you. And yeah.
Thank you, Yanni. And congratulations to all the young people and your team who were engaged in developing the first ever national action plan on youth peace and security. We got that in August 2021, this year itself. Um, we, will, we will have more discussions around it. Now, moving forward, I would also like to hear from our second speaker, who is Mr. Theophilus Ekpon, uh, who is the executive director of the Center for Sustainable Development and Education in Africa. And he also co-chairs the Nigerian Coalition on Youth Peace and Security. He has previously worked with United Nations in New York and Nigeria and consulted on development, peace and security issues for various government agencies in Nigeria. Uh, Mr. Ekpon is the former chair of executive committee of the Global Civil Society Platform for Peace Building and State Building, and also a co-chair of federal government of Nigeria's uh, see, uh, steering committee on the international dialogue for peace building and state building and its new deal for engagement in fragile and conflict affected states. Uh, Mr. Uh, Ikpon, floor is yours. Thank you very much and good morning to everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be part of this discussion. Uh, basically, our engagements with the domestication of the United Nations Security Council Resolution 2250 on peace and security started when we became part of uh, the UN Interagency Working Group on Youth and Peace Building in the lead up to the Amman Conference. So while we were part of those processes, we always briefed uh, our stakeholders in Nigeria, when I say stakeholders, the youth groups, civil society, and the gov government officials in the um, uh, relevant ministries, such as the Federal Ministry of Youth and Sports Development and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So we try to make sure everyone is carried along and are aware of the ongoing global process. So after the launch of uh, no, the adoption uh, in December 2015, uh, we decided to come back to Nigeria and discuss what we needed to do. And the first thing we felt we should do as stakeholders in Nigeria was to launch uh, the UN Security Council Resolution 2250. So that created more awareness. We were able to uh, bring in key stakeholders from some of the states or most of the states across Nigeria uh, to be part of that launch. And it created more awareness and stakeholders felt there was you know, now a real focus on young people in terms of their uh, peace and security issues. And after that launch, there was the suggestion that we needed to have uh, uh, a working group on youth and peace building uh, following the UN Intelligence Working Group on Youth and Peace Building. So we decided to set up the Working Group on Youth Peace Building. It was a multi-stakeholder uh, 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 group. And the group started to discuss what we needed to do to domesticate the UN Security Council Resolution 2050 in Nigeria. And that led to the high-level conference on youth peace and security in Nigeria. And after that conference, the decision was taken to develop a national action plan for youth peace and security by stakeholders at the conference, that that is the way to go. So we started with engaged some consultants 
And also, we started to brainstorm with a lot of the youth groups, a lot of civil society groups, uh, to cons do consultations. So we had various consultations across the country, because in Nigeria, we have 36 states and the federal capital territory. So we had consultations across the 36 states and the federal capital territory. And uh, we also had uh, zonal consultations. So we didn't only have state consultations, we also had zonal consultations. And in all these in most of these consultations, we ensured that it was multi-stakeholder in nature. So that, you know, because at times we, when we do certain thing, programs, we tend not to carry some segment along. For example, some young people, they do programs, they don't carry the government along. And at the end of the day, you find out that there's no buying, there's no sustainability, no ownership. So we ensure that them as much as possible, there was gender balance so that we can get inputs from both genders in, into the document. So we had uh, validation meetings, we have affirmation meetings, and now we now, we now have the document launched in November uh, by the Honorable Minister of Youth and Sports Development. So that is where we are. Then we started implementation, uh, and just also we've selected six pilot states, one per, so we've selected six pilot states, one per geopolitical zone, where we are now, we've started implementation, working with key stakeholders and the youth groups to actually drive the process in those six states and collect the states and collect data uh, within the three years time frame of the National Action Plan before there's a review. Thank you. Sure, thank you so much. We would definitely love to know more about the implementation phase and how the definitely love to know more about the implementation phase and how the uh, the peace process. Uh, that is the Philippines government agency that is tasked to oversee, coordinate, and integrate the comprehensive peace process. Her work contributes to formulation of an enabling environment in conflict-affected and conflict-vulnerable areas by addressing the root causes of conflict and promoting the healing and transformation of women, youth, and other vulnerable stakeholders. So since uh, Ms. Pelayko joined OPEP, uh, which is the short form of Office of the Presidential Advisor on the Peace Process, uh, so when she joined in, since she joined in 2012, she has been supporting uh, the GPH MNLF peace process and mainstreaming of conflict sensitive and peace promoting approaches, uh, implementation of Philippines National Action Plan on Women, Peace and Security, and now the ongoing efforts uh, in the formulation of the National Plan, uh, National Action Plan on Youth, Peace and Security. Uh, floor is yours, uh, Ms. Palerko. A pleasant good morning from the Philippines to all our participants in today's discussion. I'm very much excited to share with you the Philippine experience. I just, I just want to highlight also that uh, while we do not have a national action plan yet, it's not yet uh, finalized, um, this doesn't stop us from already um, providing the initial steps to already implement some of the pillars of the youth peace and security as part of our commitment in the operationalization of the UNSCR 2250. So just a quick update. Um, this is where uh, a lot of our youth participation is large. At the onset of the uh, Duterte administration in 2016, uh, we came up with a six-point peace and development agenda that captures the comprehensive uh, approach to the country's Philippine peace process. 
And within this agenda, uh, there's a specific platform where the youth can participate, particularly in agenda number five. That's why since 2017, I've been doing a lot of peace conversations, community consultations, particularly among the youth stakeholders from the different geographical areas of the country. It's also important to note that um, based on the six-point peace and development agenda, we have different conflict contexts uh, or conflict lines in the different parts of the country where we envision that uh, to have uh, viable and meaningful spaces for our youth to participate. So just for instance, the first two pertains to the Southern Philippine Peace Process or the Mindanao Peace Process, where we have a very um, strong youth, uh, youth participation and that is also where we have uh, emanated a lot of the community consultations and a lot of the um, um, feedback from the youth uh, is to come up with the, the youth peace agenda that was eventually translated into a, a draft uh, YTS um, or the one of the recommendations likewise is to come up with a national action plan on youth peace and security to ensure that we are able to concretize and also institutionalize the interventions that will be planned for the youth, by the youth, for the youth as well. Um, I just also want to share with you that uh, prior to the UNSCR 2250, there is already a Philippine Youth Development Plan where we see our youth as a strong, um, strong foundation for our nation building, and it has different uh, uh, platforms for participation. Just want to also emphasize that the fifth uh, platform for participation is the uh, what we see as the potential role of the youth, not only as merely beneficiaries of youth interventions, but equally important is to have them as part of the planning and in, engage them in the overall implementation of the different programs. Um, with that, um, through the Office of the Presidential Advisor and the Peace Process, a dedicated department was created that houses a division that is called the Youth Peace and Security Division that will really ensure that we are, um, that YPS agenda is part of the commitment of the uh, government. And as a government, of course, we recognize also that we do not have the monopoly of knowledge. If you want to come up with um, youth responsive programs, we have to start also from the consultation processes to hear what are the peculiar narratives and unique experiences of our youth before, after, and during conflict. So through the social healing and peace building program, we are also able to, uh, in 2010, way back, uh, initially start the implementation of the UNSCR 1820, the National Action Plan on Women, Peace, and Security that recognizes the experiences and role of the women and young women. So coming from that, we have some learnings already on how we can also craft our National Action Plan on youth, peace, and security. And uh, we were also able to learn in terms of uh, the mechanisms, how do we see, Will are we going to come up with a steering committee, who will be the member agencies of the steering committee, and who are the people that we have to engage? Because a consultation is always never enough. At the end of the day, in the Philippines, we have to gather as much narratives as we can since we are operating in the different conflict lines. And it's also important to note that Philippines is an archipelago. So even the geographical history, the narratives, the political, economic environment of each area also has its own peculiarities. So anchored to this as well is the implementation of the um, 
a complement uh, complementary platform, which is the mainstreaming also of the peace education. So we have a law, the Executive Order 570, that provides for the mainstreaming of the peace education. So that's also one of the platform where we tap our academic sector and other civil society organizations in terms of already incorporating the peace education in the very foundation of the um, uh, of the schools and the different institutions. Um, I just also want to share with you, together with my colleague Carla, we have um, formulated the National Action Plan on Peace and Security Roadmap for the year. So while we do not have a coalition yet, uh, we have started with a multi-stakeholder consultation, and this is participated by the different government agencies coming from the national, regional, and local offices, as well as youth organizations. And we have also invited even the international partners because in the Philippines, um, there are a lot. Uh, there's a lot of involvement in the Philippine peace process of the official development uh, partners that we have at the moment. So um, they have already been part of this multi-stakeholder consultation that convenes also regularly every month. So we just had finished our seventh meeting yesterday. And along that line, we have been also doing a lot of consultations. We understand that the, um, that the narrative of peace coming from the eyes of the youth is also different. So we always start with uh, understanding what is the meaning of peace in the eyes of a youth because um, of course, uh, we cannot just um, assume that the definition of youth peace and security will be the same coming from the uh, policymakers. So we always start with the with the level of session with the different youth stakeholders. And while uh, the Philippines is um, grappling with the COVID-19 experience, um, there are some systems that we cannot migrate also using the new normal modality. So we see to it that we are still able to reach the youth who are in the geographically isolated areas or the disadvantaged areas because they are the youth that really have this um, very meaningful narratives. So currently, um, there are some areas that have already committed to come up with a pilot regional action plan, particularly the Bangsamoro Autonomous in region, uh, region in Muslim Mindanao. And there is already a local area, a province that also uh, that has also started uh, drafting its provincial action plan. So I just also want to emphasize that the process that we have is also not linear. It's very dynamic and multi-level already because we are also um, recognizing the urgency of this matter. Uh, at, at the end of the day, it's important that as early as now, we already have to start cultivating the culture of peace among our youth um, uh, youth stakeholders. The Philippines is relatively a uh, country with a young population, so the the um, to have a last and just uh, peace in the country, it's important for us that our peace constituency emanating from our youth stakeholders is already able to understand and uh, champion the peace agenda of the country. So these are just some of the uh, sharing. We continue to capture the narratives of the youth through different platforms. We start with peace conversations and uh, also uh, alongside with that, we do capacity building interventions because we want to also have the youth uh, together with us as we consult their other colleagues. And in return, they're also the ones who replicate the process among the communities that we cannot reach. So just uh, some ways forward from our side, we continue to mainstream this. Uh, we have the peace education as one of the vehicles or the platforms for us to 
uh, be harmonized with the YPS agenda. And we also continue to provide context-sensitive and peace-promoting approaches. Currently, we already have national action plans, but at the end of the day, we are also um, harmonizing this. We have the commitment to the 1820 through the National Action Plan on Women, Peace, and Security. We have a national action plan on preventing and countering violent extremism, where the youth is also seen as a vulnerable sector, but we do not want to stop there, having the youth as a vulnerable sector, because uh, what we envision is we are able to empower our youth so they become resilient. Uh, individuals um, towards any vulnerable situations. Um, currently, we have a platform to uh, uh, to tap in terms of the resources because, um, as I mentioned, uh, one of the challenges of our youth is sustaining the interventions that they have started. So we are also um, looking at the possible um, support, not only, of course, at the financial aspect, but it can be a tactical level support as well. Um, we continue to expand our initiatives in light of the new normal because we do not want to uh, lose the momentum of our youth. And of course, the COVID-19 is still a challenge, but uh, we just need to be able to live in confidence with COVID-19. And um, like what the other colleagues have shared, um, we continue to strengthen the partnerships and uh, not only with the fellow government offices, uh, equally important is engaging the civil society partners, the youth organizations coming from the academe or, or school-based organizations or faith-based organizations, as well as uh, the regional cooperation at the ASEAN level. The ASEAN level already has a WPS agenda and we hope to already have a YPS agenda eventually. And finally, um, we continue to synergize and replicate because there are areas that we may not be able to reach and uh, we need the youth to be able to be a part of our um, youth leaders who will be able to uh, continue what we have started, particularly in all the contexts or communities that they have, since they know more about uh, what their communities and areas are experiencing. So what we also want um, doing now as part of our strategy is empowering and capacitating our youth so they, be, they will be the ones to lead the processes in their own respective areas. So that's uh, just um, where we are in, in terms of the YPS agenda. And I just want to share with you some of our youth participants. Um, these are the youth that came from the Marawi siege. And um, as early as now, even though they came from this area, they have a vision of peace. They want to have a um, resilient community and they want to be part of that community building in their respective areas. Thank you very much and good morning. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Palako. And we will be also joined by uh, Ms. Karen Marla uh, and Rodolfo, who is uh, currently the division head of Youth Peace and Security Division under the um, Social Healing and Peace Building Department of OPEP. Uh, she is an experienced program management and monitoring and evaluation practitioner with demonstrated history of working in NGO sector and with governments. So um, now uh, we have around 11 minutes remaining in this, uh, this conversation. Um, and I would like to uh, once remind all of uh, the viewers of uh, this conversation to check the USIP event page uh, where you can submit your question uh, and we will take them. Uh, but I also have a couple of questions gathered based on my experience and uh, yeah, we of course can have a lot of discussion. Uh, so we will try to 
see how much we can cover. Uh, we will try to be short uh, if we can uh, provide some of those insights um, in a very short manner. So uh, the first thing that I really wanted to understand was about, uh, you already mentioned how the processes in your country around developing national action plan or operationalizing uh, the agenda uh, or the creating a roadmap started. So, uh, and thinking about who were the initial stakeholders uh, who were engaged in those processes, what are the skills or the resources that are helpful in early stages of that effort? Anyone can respond to this, so. I can, I can respond. Sure. Okay, um, in the Philippines, I think, um, relatively speaking, the experience that we have, um, I think triggered also our youth to be able to uh, step up. Um, we initially started uh, consulting the youth coming from the conflict-affected and conflict-vulnerable areas because we were about to implement some um, peace agreements. For example, in Mindanao, um, there is a comprehensive agreement in the Bangsamoro, and one of the um, one of the strategies also ensure that we are able to come up with inclusive agreements at the political context. That's why um, it's important for us to be able to engage the youth in the areas as um, there are provisions of the agreement that looks, for example, uh, on the inclusivity of the process. And um, there are also a lot of youth leaders already in the of Philippines, but uh, one of the challenge is, of course, who are we to consult? So um, it's also um, a chance for us to determine uh, who are the stakeholders to be consulted because we need to ensure that we have sufficient geographical uh, representation. We have indigenous people, youth, uh, we have faith-based um, youth organizations. So we need to also narrow down uh, who are we going to consult. And at the moment, um, we we also provide uh, uh, other creative platforms where they where we can still capture the narratives of the youth. For example, um, capitalizing on the power of social media through online surveys and the virtual platform for some areas that we cannot reach and have access to new technology. But then emphasizing that um, it's also important to be able to. A go to the geographically isolated areas because they are not the they are not often consulted and visited. So that's also where our concentration um, had to be prioritized in terms of the NAPYTS uh, formulation. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Any response from Finland or Nigeria? Oh, well, I covered most of the process in my first answer, but I would say that the cooperation between the ministry and the civil society and different organizations was key in making this um, plan to get started. And I think um, it needs to be effective also in the future. So it's not only this part of the process, but uh, the stakeholders need to be included uh, from now on as well. But nothing more to add. Thank you. Um, yes. Uh, okay, yeah. For in Nigeria, I think uh, one thing that stood out was the fact that um, we were already working with a lot of youth groups and young people across the country. So some of those networks, uh, such as the uh, National Youth Council, the National Youth Parliament, and some of those networks were very helpful. 
And then also there was, was an already an ongoing process, international dialogue for peace building and state building. So, and we are, we're already working with a lot of the stakeholders under that platform. So it was so easy to, you know, uh, get them to buy into the uh, youth peace and security agenda. And uh, we were able to kick off from there. But one thing, there was challenge, there was a challenge or we had challenges with finance or with funding. Uh, because the Ministry of Youth and Sports Development said, they did not have money for us to do the work. The same thing with foreign affairs. So but we, we were able to mobilize resources. For example, the Center for Sustainable Development Education in Africa supported the resources. And then also we were also able to mobilize resources from the Global Civil Society Platform for Peace Building and State Building and the European Union to be able to get the work done, uh, started and you know, to, to an advanced stage before the Ministry of Youth and Sports Development uh, came our, they, they came with you know, the suggestion that they needed to have the budget for the National Action Plan and the implementation. So right now, as we talk, they have the budget, an annual budget for the implementation, not a lot, but it's something for the implementation of the National Action Plan of Youth Peace and Security. Sure. And uh, when we are talking about it, I was hearing different words from you. So, uh, Ms. Peleko was talking about operationalization or roadmap. Uh, we know from Finland we have National Action Plan. Uh, from Theopolis, we were hearing about, uh, you know, domesticization of YPS agenda. So, these are different words. Uh, then something that comes to our mind is, okay, why did we think of uh, developing a national action plan? Uh, it could be something else as well. So what was so important that you thought of developing a national action plan at the national level? Any, any one response to it? Um, well, I can begin this. I can begin this time. Um, yeah, so I think we are all sort of in different positions of this process as well as we keep using different words, obviously, for also from different perspectives of coming to the YPS agenda, but also like um, from Nigeria, it's like a bit further from what we are just planning to do, for example. But for us, it was about understanding the YPS agenda as um, a holistic common agenda for all the world and all the countries, not just in relation to conflict areas, as Finland is not um, a war-torn country. Um, we are also faced with some issues, for example, with polar polarization or um, issues such as hate speech, and young people could be further included in this work trying to resolve these issues that we have in our country. So even if we we don't have the same, like may, maybe the uh, the first things that come to mind when you talk about like the YPS agenda, there are still a lot of things that the agenda can help with in our country, and this was the beginning for the NAP for our country. And of course, like sometimes it is not clear, like there needs to be some clarification of what we need, mean by this, like all stakeholders might not have enough information about this, like might not understand why the YPS is important, for example, in Finland. But to us, the concrete examples, stories and um, from real life will try to clarify that why is it important to have um, a national action plan also in Finland. So yeah, that was the starting point. 
Thank you. And then uh, my question uh, is to Nigeria's experience and Philippines' experience, because we already, uh, Missy and you already mentioned that uh, in Finland, we have 2250 network who was taking a lot of lead. So that's a youth-led agency, uh, a network of youth-led member organizations. But uh, from uh, Ms. Pilarco, Ms. Rudolf and uh, Rodolfo and Mr. Ekpon, uh, how has your experiences of engaging young people and meaningfully engaging actually in designing, implementation and evaluation of national action plans uh, other than consultation? So what else was there or what has been there to make sure that young people are engaging well in uh, designing, implementation and evaluation of the NEP? Arla, if you would like to share also. Yeah, um, let me answer that. Uh, the discussion on NAPOIPS uh, formulation, as mentioned by Director Pallar, was that started in uh, 2016 when OPAP led the conduct of uh, different youth peace tables across the country. And during that discussion with government agencies in late 2018, uh, the all stakeholders enunciated the need to have a youth-led national action plan on YPS. And learning from this um, experience uh, from the peace tables, uh, we draw inspiration from it and learning from the best practices and lessons learned that we now apply to our uh, consultation. So as already shared by Director Pagliarco, we are conducting eight to um, face-to-face consultations across the, the country. Um, to date, we have conducted eight, but uh, eight face-to-face consultations. But to ensure that we really reach out to all uh, the youth across the country, we have uh, additional modalities, which is to, uh, co the, to conduct um, regional or provincial virtual consultations. And also we launched the national survey to really ensure that we reach all um, youth from the different uh, sectors. And all sectors are represented, as mentioned by Director Pagliarco, of youth from the disability sector, youth from the um, geographic, geographically isolated and disadvantaged area. We really ensure to it that all um, youth voices are heard and captured and their narratives are included in the formulation of the, the action plan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Ekpon, uh, are you trying yeah. to respond? Okay. Okay, yeah. I think apart from um, our deliberate effort to engage young people at the grassroots level, uh, the marginalized groups, the, the, those with disabilities, and those in active conflict. Uh, we, as I said earlier, we engage the uh, National Youth Council, the National Youth Parliament, and and then a lot of youth groups from across the country uh, at the very onset. And um, as I, I said earlier, we also just following the global. Uh, structure, we first of all had the National Working Group on Youth and Peace Building, which, you know, actually engaged young people before it became the Nigeria Coalition on Youth Peace and Security. So the Nigeria Coalition on Youth Peace and Security is being broadened every day, getting more youth groups from all parts of the country to become part of it. And also what we're doing now, right now is we're having state structures we are now having state coalitions on youth peace and security and local government coalitions for youth peace and security. So these coalitions are at the, in the driver's seat of you know, the implementation of the National Action Plan on Youth Peace and Security. And also by, by implication, 
the evaluation of the National Action Plan for Youth Peace and Security. Because with this coalition, we'll be able to uh, ensure that what is what we have agreed on, because we have also agreed on some key areas for implementation in these pilot states, because we felt that we cannot implement everything in the document. So we have picked out, we have selected some key areas for implementation in the pilot state. And the young people, they are aware of these key areas and they are actually pushing for uh, the implementation and also by implication evaluation uh, at the state level. And so as we are implementing at the state level, especially in the pilot states, we're also making deliberate efforts to strengthen the state coalitions on youth peace and security so that they can engage actively at that level uh, with uh, uh, state actors. Thank you so much, Ms. Ekpon. And uh, with this response, I would like to thank all four of my panelists for their insightful contributions. I hope uh, this will help multiple stakeholders, including young people, to find avenues and directions uh, for implementing YPS agenda nationally. Uh, and with this, uh, I hand over back uh, to my dear colleague, Paula Boris. Thank you, Miru, and also our biggest appreciation to, well, for you for moderating this panel, but also for our guest speakers. We have learned a lot about this. And one of the common things that I have been um, seeing is that um, coordination, cooperation between stakeholders and engaging them from the beginning is crucial for, for these national action plans to be sustainable and to be successful while we are implementing them. And this includes working with institutional um, institutions, national and uh, at a national and a local level, um, including the society itself, but also young peace builders. Um, so they're able to identify like the different needs, and they're able to um, gather like some ownership. Um, the other thing that I that I heard was like to, that it's important to learn from other national action plans uh, that have already been implemented or that are a little bit more advanced than the U, that, that the YPS, like the Women, Peace, and Security. So we can learn, and we can we don't we don't have to start from zero, but we can learn from those spaces um, as well. And then some of the challenges uh, that we need to continue learning and to and to share among themselves and among the the, um, the field is to continue to think about how do we sustain to track and to measure all of these implementations because the implementation part or the launch of it is just the beginning but we need to to continue to sustain it and one of the things that i that i want to highlight as well from the nigeria um what uh he was mentioning was to create that ownership is important so um creating that co-share between the the government, the youth, but also the civil society, it's important to continue uh, with these efforts. Um, so basically, thank you all again for, for joining us. And hopefully we will continue to have more and more countries that uh, adopt and implement a national action plan. Um, and with that, more hopefully more peace building projects will include youth at the center. So we are also excited to share that next year, we will, we will be launching our youth-centered peace-building framework, rethinking youth inclusion through a youth-powered approach. 
And this framework specifically explores youth engagement in peace building projects and how youth participation can be embraced and can be enhanced in each stage of a peace building project cycle. So it's not only about the peace processes, like the high level peace processes, but also the, the community peace building projects. So stay connected at USA Peace Network if you're interested in reading it. And this conversation as well will remain posted at USAP website. So we invite you to share it with your networks and we hope that you enjoyed this conversation and learn from our guest speakers. And thank you all for joining and have a great rest of the day, of the week or night, wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts. Thank you.